Morning, everyone. Happy Father's Day to all you men. Um, I'm at the stage of my fatherhood where all my kids are uh, teenagers. My daughter's going to be, my youngest going to be a teenager in August. And I don't get the daddy, I get the dad. Wesley's irritating me again and breaking up fights and so on and so forth. So that's where we are in our household with three uh, teeny boppers in our house. So anybody can relate to that. Please pray for me fast, whatever you can do. Um, I'd appreciate it. Um, I, uh, I'm so glad that you're here this morning. And uh, what I want to look at this morning, we're in a series on questions. And uh, I want to answer the question this morning, how do I become a man that God wants me to be? And how do we honor God in our lives? And, and I know if I were to, um, you know, ask the men in this room if, if, if they wanted to be a good father and a good husband, obviously most would say yes. And and, and first, let me say this morning, I'm not here to beat you up. I'm not here to heap more guilt and, and, and maybe some uh, bad choices that you've made in your life. I, I, I want to tell you that this is a day that, that we can evaluate our lives and, and maybe look into our own hearts and our own lives and, and see, what, uh, see what the Word of God has to say on what a, a, a true man is. And, and I know in our, our, our culture, whether it's movies or it's TV or for the most part, they, they make men or fathers look like they're clueless and that, that kids make their fathers seem like they don't know what they're talking about. And if I were to speak to you men individually, I would get all kinds of stories on maybe how you were raised and, and maybe what kind of an example you were shown. And maybe you did not have that good example of what a father should look like or how a husband should act. And some of you, maybe because of mistakes in your life, you feel like a failure and maybe a failure in your marriage or a failure as, as, a, as, as a father. And, and, and I want to encourage you this morning that with God, it's never too late. That with God, it's never too late. That, that even the shame and the guilt and maybe the mistakes that we've made in the past, when we are in Christ, the Bible tells us that we do become new creations and that God can restore, that God can heal, and that God can redeem even broken relationships. Let, let me just tell you this morning, if, if, if we don't believe that God can restore and that God can redeem, we don't have a whole lot of hope. And, and it, when you get a picture of who Christ is and what he came to do, he came to restore a broken relationship that we had with God the Father. And through Jesus' own precious blood and what he did on the cross and through his resurrection, just as we sang in the song earlier, Jesus came to reconcile us back to God when we were still enemies. That's the hope that's the core of the gospel message that Jesus came to restore that which was broken because of our sin. And, and the way that, that is translated into our lives, listen to me carefully. When God transforms your life, when Jesus Christ transforms you from the inside out and he renews your life and he heals you and he forgives you of all your mistakes, that doesn't just stop there. Can I get an Amen. That can translate into your relationships and the way you deal with people and how God can heal relationships. And I've, I've seen it over and over and over and over again, how God can change those situations for his glory and for his purpose to, to show that he is a God 
that's a transformational God that changes everything. And so the, the question I want to pose you this morning, especially for you dads, is, is not the point, are you willing to die for your kids? Because I think all of us would die for our children. But the better question is, are we willing to live for them? And that's the question. And some of you here, you might feel like Josh McDowell, a great author. Josh said this. He said, as a young father, I was running scared. I felt so inadequate and I feared the culture would capture my kids. And I knew there was no guarantees, but I figured if I could find an ultimate model of fatherhood and then emulate that model, I had a fighting chance. You see, Josh grew up with an alcoholic father. You see, what's the issue? What is it, what is it boiled down to? And, and, and I think what lies at most of the issues of, of a dysfunctional manhood is this, is that we are confused in what our role really is. What, what is our role as a husband? What is our role as a man? What is our role a, as a father? And, and I believe that this is really at the core of, of every unhealthy marriage. And I know this topic can be difficult and I know it can bring up failures and regrets and, or maybe our, the past or even the present. Some of you are here and you wish, man, I wish, you know, my son could hear this or, or I wish my husband could hear this. And I want you to keep praying for them. And I want you to live as a godly example as you can before them, like the Bible tells us to. But today I, I've got you men here and I, I want to speak to your heart. And whether you're a teenager or a single man or, or married, I, I want you to understand what God's plan is for you. And so what I want to do this morning is I want to dive into an Old Testament passage in the book of Joshua. And if you've got your Bibles, you can look up at the screen. I'm going to look at Joshua chapter 24. Joshua was given the baton from Moses as he led the children of Israel out of 40 years in the wilderness into the promised land where there was much fighting and they had to go against the enemy. But Joshua was their leader. Joshua was a great he was just a man's man. Joshua was a great military leader. He was a great leader. He was fearless. He, he fought the enemy and he relied on God. But there was something at the core of Joshua's life that I believe made him a great man of God. Not that Joshua didn't make mistakes or that he was perfect, but I believe there's an example that we can follow in the person of Joshua that made him a great leader of a nation, not only a great military leader in their conquests, but there was something at the core of his life that Joshua understood that, that needed to be the center of his life. And so I want us to read Joshua 24. We're going to look at verses 14 through 16 and listen to these words. He says, now fear the Lord and serve him with faithfulness, with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods of your ancestors who worship beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourself this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods of your ancestors serve beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites and, and whose land you are living. But as for me, but as for me, but as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. And then the people answered, far be it from us to forsake the Lord and serve other gods. And let me give you a little background in this passage. Joshua was a leader of Israel. And uh, 
He's uh, kind of giving his farewell address here as he's led the children of Israel into the promised land and has divided up the land uh, to the tribes of Israel. And he's kind of given his farewell address. But what's interesting about Joshua's words is what he emphasizes. What he doesn't emphasize is all the bowling trophies that he won. Right? He, he, he doesn't emphasize uh, all the, the military conquests that they have made. He, he doesn't emphasize saying, look how well we've done as a nation and how we conquered the, the, these nations before us. He, he, he doesn't brag about those things. I, I, what's interesting is what he emphasizes. And, and, and in this chapter, he goes through the history of how God delivered them and how God was faithful to them. But here's what he epitomizes in this chapter as he gives his farewell address to the Israelites. Joshua challenges them to commit and serve the Lord. Because Joshua knows that if there's not that commitment to the Lord to serve him, they're going to go wayward. And as we will see, after this generation died off, the Israelites went and they did exactly what Joshua told them not to do. And if you read the book of Judges, which follows, it's a very sad picture of Israel. Because what the book of Judges tells us is there's a whole generation that grew up after this generation that neither knew God or knew the stories of what God did for them. And so what began to happen is this nation began to fear and they began to serve these other gods and not the God who delivered them from the hands of the Egyptians. And so what I want you to see here is Joshua challenges them to serve the Lord. So what can we learn from this, this passage? And, and what can this do for us as, as spiritual leaders, as men? And how does it help us to lead uh, as the way the Lord wants us to lead? And there's a lot going on here because Joshua knows that that they compromised and they needed to choose and to serve God or to serve their idols. But Joshua throws the gauntlet down and he says, listen, but as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And that's what I want to focus on today because this is a huge statement. This is important because it speaks of roles, specifically to the role of the, of the leader of the family. Joshua's not just speaking of being the leader of this nation but he's speaking of the importance of him being the leader of his family and, and the responsibility that he has to his family. And I believe the reason that Joshua was a great leader is because he understood his role within his family. Listen, he didn't lose sight of his family. Now, now think about it. Isn't it much easier for us to lose sight of the family, to look at maybe something that is more significant or more important like our jobs or what we do. And then we lose focus of the very thing that God gives us. And, and yes, the, our, our families are smaller and maybe we feel like, well, this isn't as big a deal as, as this is over here with my job. But Joshua understood something here. Joshua understood this principle of what it means to lead his family. So I want to give you just a couple things here that we can learn from Joshua and hopefully direct us so that we honor the Lord 
even with the, our families, whether or not your family's living with you now or they've grown up or whether or not you're a grandparent. I think this speaks to every single one of us of, of what it means uh, to lead. First of all, what I want you to see is I want you to notice that Joshua said to them, to the nation, I'm going to serve the Lord. But as for me, he first says to himself, not including his family at this point, he says, but as for me, I'm going to serve the Lord. This, this is what I'm going to, he made it personal. I want you to notice something here. Yes, Joshua is the leader of this nation. He was responsible for God's people, yet he understood that he first had to be committed to God. So Joshua says, for me, I'm going to serve the Lord in my own personal life. Now, for me, I wasn't raised in a born-again Christian family. Yes, we went to church. We went to Sunday school. But we, we went to a church that didn't really preach the gospel message of being born again and having that personal relationship with Jesus Christ and repenting from your sins. It, it was a nice church. They did a lot of good things for people, but they really didn't preach the gospel message. So I didn't really understand that Jesus was my savior and you had to have a born again relationship with him and you had to come to him in repentance. I, I didn't really get that. That wasn't really emphasized at our church, but something as a, as a junior high seventh grader, I noticed this within my own family. This was something that, that transformed my father when my father came to know Jesus as his Lord and Savior when I was about in seventh grade. So this is something that I'm looking at. I'm looking at my dad, and all of a sudden, there's this guy at Kodak, and I've shared this story before, that, that my dad noticed this transformational change in this guy that he worked with at Kodak, and my dad asked him, hey, what is up with you? You know, what is, you, you've changed, you're, you're happy. I, I noticed you're bringing your Bible and you're, Reading your Bible on break, what is up with you? And he, this guy shared his testimony how he came to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And my dad said, well, I want what you have. And so my dad, my dad, right there at Kodak, this man prayed with my dad to come to know Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. And in Kodak, in Kodak, in Kodak, God bless Kodak, right? In Kodak, my dad received Jesus Christ, not in a church, Right? Not in a crusade, but because there was a man in Kodak who stood up for Jesus Christ and led my dad to the Lord right there. And my, my dad's life was transformed. So the, here's the thing. The one thing I noticed about my dad when he came to Christ is this. I, I remember just so clearly him reading his Bible. I remember clearly his Bible being on the table. I, I remember that my dad was a, a, a great father, but I saw a change. I, I saw a hunger for him to know the Lord. And the one thing my dad didn't do was, was try to cram the Bible down my throat, but he did make us go to church. That was one thing that we did do. He said, Barden, I know you're not going to like this, but we are going to go to church every Sunday as a family. This is what I think we need to do. So it's not going to kill you. So you're going to get up and we're going to make it fun. We're going to take you out to, we're going to take you out to breakfast after. So I said, okay, if you're going to take me out to breakfast after, I'm ordering steak and eggs. I'll give it to you for making me go to church. I'm going to order the most expensive thing on the breakfast menu. Huh? How about that, dad? Huh? huh? So we'd go and he let me order the steak and eggs and we'd have fun. And as I was sitting there in church, hearing the gospel message preached over and over and over again, something started to change in my life. But but here's the thing about my dad. 
here's the thing that's interesting that I noticed in him. It wasn't a religion that I saw in my dad. It was a transformed life that I saw in my dad. That was the difference. It wasn't that let's just go to church. Let's just read our Bibles. Let's just be religious. But there was something transformational that I noticed happened in my dad. And and here's how it looked. My dad always treated my mom well. And he always did, even after he became a Christian. I never saw my dad do anything that I thought was wrong to my mom. I noticed how my dad treated other people. I saw how my dad walked integrity. I saw that he was actually living out what he was actually reading. Um, and here's the big thing that I saw as a junior hire, because I'm watching like an eagle. You see, it, it's not so much about what you read. It's not so much about going to church. It was what I was watching in my dad to see how he was living it out in his life. Because believe me, I wanted any ammunition I could get to get out of going to church. And so if I, if there was, if if it sniffed a phoniness, if it wasn't real, I was going to be the first one to stand up and say, aha, fake, 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 right? And what I noticed about my dad is that he was the same way at church as he was at home. There was something very personal that changed in my dad, something very transformational that I knew that Christ was doing this deep work in his heart. And I saw my dad walk in self-control and I witnessed my dad say he was sorry when he was wrong. He wasn't, he wasn't so much, there wasn't pride in his life so much that he wouldn't be willing to admit that he was wrong and to say he was sorry to me. And so I was watching very closely this whole thing unfold before my very eyes. And I saw that my dad began to lead our family spiritually, that we would pray before we would eat, that, that he would personally, even though I didn't like it all the time, he would personally pray for me. One time I went upstairs. And I knocked on my parents' door. And I could hear my parents in their bedroom, calling out my name before the Lord, that God would grab my heart. And I didn't like it at the time. I said, man, they're praying for me again. You know, and I would get hard, and I'd go, I'm not coming to Jesus. I'm not, you know, and I would be hard. But I never forgot that. See, something changed transformationally. See, Joshua wasn't just this great leader and said, look how great I am and look how I led this nation. Joshua knew that he had to serve the Lord personally and he had to live that example out before his household. And see, this is the second thing. Joshua said that my household, we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to serve the Lord. Not only Joshua said that he would serve the Lord, but as a leader of his home, he said that we would serve the Lord. You see, I want you to understand this, man, very carefully. The role of the man in the home is the role of leader. Now, I'm not talking 
about some dictator because God has given us this authority. I'm not, I'm not talking about uh, uh, leading with an iron fist, my way or the highway. I'm, I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about being controlling and controlling everything that happens and putting everything under your thumb. But husbands, under the leadership of our Lord Jesus Christ, and if we follow him, husbands are instructed to love their wives as Christ has loved the church. See, there's a sacrificial love here when we lead. So we lead by example. We lead spiritually. But the question is, how? How do, how do we do this? You see, spiritually, this is how we lead. We lead by taking our family to church. We, we lead spiritually by praying for and with our family. And I know it was difficult for my dad to lead at the time where I wasn't serving the Lord and I didn't want to come to church. And I, and I would just, I was just a bratty junior high kid. I was just, you know, I, I made it difficult for him, but that didn't stop my dad from still living an example f- before me. And one thing that, let me just say this to you parents that struggle with kids and getting them to church and trying to, let, let me just say this. This is one thing my parents did really, really, really well. They definitely led by grace. They gave me a lot of grace. Now, I had barriers and I had, you know, they disciplined me and they had, well, they didn't let me just go crazy. I knew you don't push my dad too far and I knew there's going to be grounding. I mean, I'm not saying you let your kids do anything, but, but here's what my parents would do. They always look for ways to put me in an atmosphere that made it fun, but also made it interesting for me to want to know more about Jesus, like taking me out to, you know, breakfast after church. But also, we had a dynamic um, youth ministry growing up, and they tried everything to get me into that youth group, and it basically, it worked. They basically bribed me to go to youth group. First time I went to youth group, I got saved. So it it worked. They were smart. Um, They knew what they were doing. But they knew that there were some things that I was interested in. They say, hey, Barton, we know that you're interested in in snow skiing. Do you know the youth group goes on ski trips every February? I'm like, really? The church goes skiing? Really? Okay, that's kind of cool. And they go, if you go to youth group, you could go. You know. So they 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 would do things to get me into that atmosphere. But the greatest example that they lived before me was living the example before me because I was watching very, very closely. And my dad would just make it fun and, and he would do things with me and he cared about me even when, even when I was bratty and, and, and sometimes just not the best son in the world. They, they just they kept living it. They kept being consistent before me. So we lead spiritually by taking our family to church. We lead spiritually by praying for our family. And there's something very powerful about a man leading his family spiritually and, and, and moving our families in, in the right direction. And we're the protectors of our, our families. See, see, what my dad taught me, he taught me how to, how to love the Bible. And it really taught me how to love the Lord. See, the way my mom and dad lived Jesus before me gave me the desire to know Jesus and not hate Jesus. The way the example was set before me was a desire to know Jesus and not hate the church. Are you hearing me? And and no matter where your kids are today, you keep living that example before them. 
it, 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 it's, it's that example that you live before them and how you live your life and how you show them grace and how you show them love is, is planting the seeds in their lives and giving them the desire to, to want to know Jesus and not, and not hate, hate the church or hate the things of God, but give them a desire. And I believe that you should never give up praying for your children and living that example before them. And I know that's what my parents did for me. Here's, here's, the, here's the last thing that I just want to share with you um, this morning. My, my Father's Day gift to you is to have a short message today. So that, that's my gift for, for all of you here this morning. Um, here's the last thing I just want to share with you is that um, a fa- here's an important role that is clearly seen in scriptures about the importance of a father in the family, a, a leader in the family. And that is the father is the one who blesses the family. Now, now, now let, me, let me explain this to you. Because I love this Old Testament teaching of, of a, the, the blessing of a father to his sons. There is something very spiritually going on here. Let, let me explain it to you. It says a Jewish father's blessing was a formal passing on of the father's honor and authority to his eldest son. This blessing was an important event. And as part of the Jewish tradition, every Sabbath there's a traditional blessing from the father to the children. And actually this happens every Friday night at the beginning on the onset of, of the Sabbath, right after the sun sets. And as part of this tradition, what a Jewish father would do is He would literally lay his hands on his children and he would bless them. And I love what happens after this. I think we're going to start this in my family. I don't know if my kids will love the hugs and kisses, but they're going to get it anyways. I I, I love this. What happens after the father lays his hands on his children and honors them and blesses them and encourages them, hugs and kisses follow the blessing over the son is done with this reading of Genesis 48:20. And it says this. He blessed them that day and said, "In your name will Israel pronounce this blessing. May God make you like Ephraim and Manasseh." And this is when Jacob blessed Joseph's sons. And Jacob's descendants would become the nation of Israel. And I believe this is something that is very important that maybe we're missing in our culture today, in the Christian culture today. I heard of a father blessing his son at his 13th birthday. It wasn't a bar mitzvah. It was just a father said, you know what? Christian dad said, you know what? I'm going to, 13 is kind of a key year that boy enters into adulthood and manhood and and I want to bless him and they had a party his 13th party and they had some uncles and some godly grandparents and they all laid hands on that 13 year old boy and they prayed over him a blessing I like that so much that I did that with my boys so on their 13th birthday first Colby thank God I've got a godly dad and I I thank God for that and I, I never count that as not a blessing because I know many of you don't have that, and I just count it as a blessing. I had my dad lay hands on Colby 
And I thank God that every single one of their uncles is godly. And so I had all their uncles lay hands and pray over Colby a blessing. I did the same thing with Wesley as he moves into manhood. I was invited to a 13th birthday party for Michael Arase. Frank Arase is a member of our church. This was such an encouraging birthday party that I had. Frank set this up so well, and he had some godly men, some close friends of his come, and just share scriptures and speak into Michael's life. And we prayed over Michael, and we shared what the Lord meant to us, and we shared scriptures that would bless him as he enters in to manhood. And I was so encouraged when I walked away from that birthday. I remember when I was leaving for my senior year of college to go down to Southeastern College and University in Lakeland, Florida. It was my last year. I was starting to go in the ministry. This was my last year. And then I would go off in, in, into the ministry. And um, I was dr- driving, driving down. It was, you know, it's a 1,500-mile trip. And um, I can remember, you know, credit cards were, were, you know, back then not everybody had a credit card. But my dad said, hey, Bart, in case the car breaks down or whatever, I'm going to give you my credit card. I said, oh, great. Thanks, Dad. Um, he goes, if you use it at all except for emergencies, um, have fun paying your tuition. No, anyway, see, no, he was real nice. Um, but I can remember him standing there and saying, Barden, you're, 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 you're finishing your college. You're, you're, you know, this is, this is kind of the end for you. And, and I can just remember what my dad did next. It was so, I just never forgot it. As we stood there about 3.30 in the morning as I'm getting ready to drive out, my mom and my dad, they laid hands on me and they prayed over me that God would bless my journey. Not only bless that journey going 1,500 miles to school, but bless my journey and my life. And I never forgot that blessing that my parents prayed over me in my life. There's some of you men here today You've never had that blessing over your life. You haven't had someone lay hands on you and say, man, may God honor you and bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you. You never had that. And some of you, if you did, you are unique and you are blessed and, and you better thank God for that. There's a, there's a scripture in Acts 16.31 that said, and they said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. And I believe for some of you men here that you just need encouragement and a blessing from the Lord. That you need someone to lay hands on you and just say, you know what? May God bless you and may God honor you. May you stay strong in the Lord. May you live your life in integrity before God and before your family. Even though it may not seem great right now. Even even though you may feel like you made mistakes. Even though you may feel like you didn't make all the best choices in the world. But, but Josh, is, that, is for this day right now, 
I'm going to serve the Lord. I'm going to make a choice to honor God. Because men, I believe you represent the head of your home. That you represent what Acts speaks about. That Joshua is symbolic of us being the head of our homes. And I just want you to realize this morning that when you give your life to Jesus Christ and you submit to him and you honor Christ in your life, he says, I'm never going to leave you or forsake you. I'll give you the ability to be the leader in your home and to be that spiritual leader. Let, let Christ first transform. Because I know we're, we're, we're like, we, we want to make everything right and we want to... We wanna, as men, we want to be in control. We want to do all these things. The best thing you could ever do, the best thing that I ever saw that had my day is when he gave Christ control of his life. Not him taking control of his life, but giving Christ control of his life. Then I truly saw the transformation that occurred in his heart and the way he lived it out before us. And it wasn't religion. It wasn't fake. It wasn't phony. It was authentic. And that was such a testimony and a witness to me of what Christ can do in a person's life who turns it over to him. So this is what I want to do for, for, for you this morning. I, I want to pray for you men this morning. And um, I want to lay hands on you this morning and pray over you. I, I want to pray a blessing over your life today that God would lead you, that God would cover you. And here's, here's the, the blessing I want to pray over you. It's a, it's a priestly blessing that was to be given over Israel that the Lord showed to Moses to tell Aaron. And I can't read it because I can't see anymore, so I've got to put my glasses on for this. This is the blessing that I want to pray over you this morning. The Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron and his sons, this is how you are to bless the Israelites. Say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. So they will put my name on the Israelites and I will bless them. As your pastor this morning, I just want to bless you and just pray for you. That God would lead you, that his face would shine upon you. That you would lead the way Christ would desire you to lead this morning. Amen. So I want us to do is I want us to stand this morning. I'm going to ask you men to come forward and just stand here this morning. We're going to, we're going to close in a song today. And... Uh, but we're going to lay hands. Pastor Mike's going to come up too. And we're just going to just stand across the front here. And we're just going to lay hands on, on you guys. And I appreciate you guys coming forward. And uh, we're going to pray for you this morning and ask God just to bless you this morning. Good to see you men. This is a good picture, isn't it? I like this. Amen. 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 You know, as we say at our church, we're, 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 we all have our dysfunctions. We all have made bad choices. Isn't it wonderful that the Lord doesn't hold those over us? That his grace and his mercy 
is what saves us and we need his help. And so I want to pray for you this morning and the band's going to, the, the worship team's going to lead us in song at this point, but Mike and I are just going to pray over you and uh, if you want to come to the second service, my dad's going to be up here praying for you guys too so you can come and his prayers are usually better than mine anyway so he can pray for you too. But, uh, but we want to pray for you guys. So let's bow our hearts and, and let's just pray. Let's just pray as a church that, that God would just bless these men. So we're going to lay hands on them. We're going to go, Mike's going to go on that end. I'm going to go on this end. And we're just going to lay hands on you and pray for each and every one of you that God would just bless you and lead you and just feel God's honor upon your life as you lead. As you lead your families, as you lead your marriages, that God would use you greatly at this point forward. Amen. Amen. God bless you.